You look through scripture and whenever you see the field and land, whenever you see the term field and land, there's multiple activity always taking place. And last week I outlined many, many things that were taking place in a field. And um, it's important that we understand because what we, what we understand we can enter into. See, the Bible says this morning regarding faith that faith, you know, our, there's eyes given to us. Our faith has eyes. So the eyes of your faith, that's what the Bible says. Understanding as eyes. Your spirit as eyes. So what you see is what you can enter into. Amen? So we need to see what's going on in the field so we can enter into it. Amen? So we used the parable last week, and we'll come into it in a minute. But a parable that, you know, a parable is, is something, it can either be a story to illustrate either a normal or spiritual lesson. Some say... It's, it's like, it's, alleg- it's allegorical um, to teach us a moral or spiritual lesson. Whichever one you be, allegorical or parable, God is trying to teach us something about the treasure in the field. Amen? And how many of you know that there's, there's uh, hardy fields, or should hard fields or soft fields, soft land, hard land, green land, brown land? There's all different types of you know, things go on. Why? Because in, in those different, let's just say, in those categorized land, different activity can take place. Amen? And there are different fields. And many of you know that there are fertile fields. There are wet fields. There are non-responsive fields. Yeah? There are meditational fields. J- Jacob went out to meditate, and as he looked up at the stars, he saw Leah being uh, brought to him on a camel. All that took place because he was meditating in the field. How many of you know there is a magnetic field? You all know about that? And there are are fields of expertise. Some of you work in fields of expertise. True? There are negative fields and positive fields. So we get the picture. Different types of field, different expertises, different activities produce different results. Yeah? Yeah? We plough the fields and scatter. Do you remember the song? And the good Lord, what was, it, what was the rest of the words? And the good, the good seed on the land. We plough and we scatter. Yes, we scatter our seed. And as we scatter our seed, something dynamic takes place by what we do. True? Our job is, we can't rain, we don't water, well, we can water it today, I suppose. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is, God takes over. His laws take over. But we do what we do, and he does what he does. But we have to acknowledge there is work to do in the field. There is activity to take place in the land. And, and the, the universal laws of God, or the spiritual laws of God, will take care of themselves. But what God can't do, God's already set his laws in place, but what God can't do is the work that you're supposed to do. That's why it's your work. Because out of your work and my work comes our purpose and comes our fulfillment. In fact, the Bible says that it's, it's the right of man to work so they can get fulfillment and pleasure. And that's why we have fields. So we plough the fields and scatter. So how many of you know some seed takes more time to grow than others? You understand that, don't you? So you say, well, when God gives you seed, and, and this morning we're talking about faith for the, for the, only for a brief moment around the communion table. When God gives me faith, it's seed. And I have to use that seed, and, and that seed gets measured. 
So if I say, I need a job tomorrow, right, or I need a job quickly, and my faith is activated, how many of you know overnight God can get me a job? Not a problem. Let's say Phil wants to be a millionaire. How many of you know that's just, that's an apple right there. That's more than just a bit of, bit of seed. That takes time and process. How many of you know God is not a lottery? God is a, God is a God of principles, right? So what he might want to produce might take a little bit more time than just getting a job. Because some things God has to do with your, with your faith, God works on your behalf. Other times God has to work in you. So to become a millionaire takes a lot of heart change. So that you don't become greedy. Yeah? So, if you're an apple this morning, just take heart. If you need a job, take heart. If you go to Matthew 13, verse 44. (coughs) The kingdom of heaven is like. So, it's not that it is, it's like. So he's trying to use language, parables, allegories, all that kind of thing to explain to us what is going on in this field. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. So where, what we see is treasure, we see a field, and we see something that's hidden. It can't be seen, but it can be found. Let me say that again. The treasure can't be seen, but it can be found. I can't see the treasure that's inside David, but it can be found. Hello? Do you understand this? So, there's a treasure, there is a field, and there are unseen things that must be found. So, it goes on. The treasure is hidden in a field when a man found it, so it can be found. Yes? He hid it again, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but as you read on, it makes perfect sense. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field. So he did everything that was in his capacity to get the treasure. Yeah? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. So the field, in the field, there is treasure. Inside you, I'm looking at treasure. Yes? Now, I can see this treasure in you, but you can't always see the treasure that's in you. Just like you can see the treasure that's in me, and I can't always see the treasure that's in me. Your mum and your dad are the first people to tell you there's treasure in there. They fill you with positive belief that you're better than you actually are. Don't listen to other people. You can go further. They tell you there's treasure there. But you don't see it. The teacher tells you, Tony can do better. There's treasure there, but you don't see it. But so you have to keep digging for it and working for it until it becomes visible. And and then someone says, see, I always believe you could do it. Why? Because somebody believed that it was in there. It's always easier to believe for somebody else than it is for you. Right? Because for somebody else, you don't have the same emotional feelings. It's easy. You're detached. But inside you, you're filled with negativity. You're filled with limitations. You're filled with boundaries and and, and history and things like that. So, but he's telling us here, there is a field, there is treasure, 
and there is activity that needs to take place so we can dig the treasure out. Now, if a kingdom is like treasure, like treasure, hidden in a field, then it stands to reason that it's not talking about physical soil. It's talking about flesh and blood. God has put something inside of us, inside flesh and blood, something of his own DNA that needs to be discovered. The world is looking and waiting for your treasure. Do you realize that? That's why God puts you in fields in society. That's why God gives you fields of expertise so he can put his treasure in another field. Does that make sense? So if you wonder why you work where you work, it's because you are God's treasure in another field. Amen? And then there is you, the Bible, come on to this and it will see that you are God's field, not just his treasure. You're both. So we can see it's flesh and blood. It's spirit that God has given his treasure to. If the treasure is inside of you, then you must be God's field. So 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says that. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So we're his workers. Why? Why are we his workers? Because in every field, there must be activity. Someone's got to plow the land. You are God's field. You are God's treasure. You are God's building. Amen? You could say amen at that point, because agree with what he's put inside you. He's telling you that there's a field, there's treasure, and you're his building. So you're perfect, you're perfect for God to build something on. What's he building? His kingdom. He's building his kingdom. That's why he says, you don't build his kingdom, he builds his kingdom. He builds his church. You co-labor with him, but he's got the plans. You assist him. Amen? You're not taking over. You assist him. God's building his design on your field, and he's putting his treasure inside your field. Does that make sense? So everything of heaven, the Bible says we've been given for everything, everything for life and godliness. It's all put in treasure. But it's in your field, and you don't know where it is in the field, but it's in there. So it's not until you do some plowing that you discover what's in there. You find the rocks, you find the bricks, you find the stones, you find the treasure through activity, through God's activity in your life. Through doing things, you discover what you can do. You discover what you can't do. You know, finding what you, discovering what you can't do is just as rich as discovering what you can do. Because if you can't see what you can't do is not good, then you'll spend all your life doing that. So it's a, ble- it's a wise man who can see what he's not good at and walk away from it. And don't feel bound by it. Amen? So, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Now, we must remember, let me hear what I'm going to say before we read this scripture. This treasure inside of God's field, listen, is given in order to reveal someone or something. This treasure that God has put inside our hearts is for one reason and one reason only. It's to reveal somebody and something. What is it going to reveal? The kingdom. It's going to reveal the kingdom king. That's why God puts you in a field with treasure in it so people discover the king and his kingdom. Does that make sense? 
All that's inside you. So he says this. Talk about trials and things like that. How many of you love a trial? Yeah, yeah. With a trial comes a smile. In 1 Peter 1, 7, it says, These have come to that your faith of greater worth than gold, so it's a different kind of treasure, which perishes even though refined by fire, listen, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So what goes on in you, in your life, when God begins to plow your life, something and someone must be revealed. If all I ever see is your flesh, guess what? That's not, that's not the objective. God wants Christ to be revealed in your life. All through Paul's writings, he said, let Christ rise, let Christ shine. Let Christ speak. Your life must speak. But how many of you know, like we said this morning, faith must be certain. It must be, it must be sure of things we don't see, but things we hope for. Our faith must be proved genuine. So many believers do not have a genuine faith. They have a Sunday faith. So many believers don't have, have, have uh, those who have a Sunday faith don't have a midweek faith for crisis or for difficulties in work. So many people, listen, there's one thing that God's going to do. He's going to put the fire in you so that what's inside you will be proved genuine or false. He has to turn up the fire so that you get tested. See, because if no one, what I found in church is this, have you noticed? People act weird in church because they see me as a headmaster. They see me as the headmaster. Now, remember when you were at school and the headmaster came? Soon as you got a whiff, the headmaster was in your vicinity, you changed your behavior. Did you not? You st- oh, was it only me? You put your cigs away. Right? You put everything that you were doing, what was wrong, away. And even if you were doing right, you just check yourself in case you found something that was wrong. You check your uniform. The, lad- the lads made sure the tie was upright or th- and the shirt was fastened. The girls made sure that the skirt was at appropriate level. Or was that just me? Not with the skirt, that is. <laughs> so when the headmaster was in, in, in the vicinity, everybody checks the behavior. But as soon as the headmaster goes, they all go back to doing what they're doing. I've seen so many people. When they see me, hello, pastor. Hello, pastor. How's it going? Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, God's so good. What are you thinking? Liar. And you think because they can smile. And they, can, and they shake their hand and they tell you everything's going good. They actually think that they've conned you. Now the con is, I let them think they've conned me. That's the great deception going on in all this. And I think, if you have to act like that because I'm here, shame on you. Because I'm not your judge. God. God's your judge. It's God who turns the fire. If he uses me to do it, Wonderful. But you better, be, you better be the material when he turns his fire up. Amen? You can't treat me like an headmaster. I'm not your headmaster. Then you get the other side. I don't care who he is. I'm not changing. Lord bless you. But these have come. These have come so that your faith. My faith, our faith, of greater worth than gold. So faith is worth far more than gold. So faith is the treasure. 
Can you see that? Faith is a treasure. Without it, we can't please God. So faith is a treasure that must be developed. And it says gold will perish and it will be refined by fire. But it must be proved genuine and may result. So in other words, it needs to produce something. It produces what? These three key words are very, very important. Praise, glory, and honor. Now, when Jesus Christ is revealed, so our faith will produce things and it will reveal God. Can you see that? It will reveal God. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay so that this surpassing power is from God. But we need to show who it's from. I can't be leading worship. I can't be preaching. I can't be doing all this. And all you see is a gifted man. I must be revealing someone and something by what I do. So if I have to do that, how much more should you? Well, you're going quiet now. Why should it only be me who has to reveal Christ? See, because if I'm up here and all I talk about is me, 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 myself and I, the wonderful trinity of, of uh, Openshaw, you will, you will berate me. See, all he ever does is talk about himself. He never reveals Christ. So if, if that can be said of the congregation to the pastor, why can't the pastor and God say that of his congregation? Who are you revealing in the week? Who are you promoting at work? Is it all you, 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 you? Or do you promote a different king? That's why you're in a field. And you know what? If you just promote yourself, you and your treasure will get lost in your own field. Your field will swallow you up. Oh. You will get lost inside your own field. You pursue your own field and God will allow you to just keep increasing it, increasing it, increasing it. And as you keep walking in your field, before you know it, you'll go so far in your field, you'll forget and you'll get lost. You won't know the way back. It's so, so real. So, your, your treasure in your field must, pr must pr prove genuine. It must result in praise and glory and honor. See, we have no problem with praise, do we? We have no problem in praise. See, this morning we praised. Oh, wonderful, 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 wonderful. See, we're, we're okay at praising what we can't see. But we don't like praising what we can see in church. But we have no problem praising what we can see outside of church. So we have no problem praising a prop star, a politician, or a superstar, football star. No problem. But inside the church, we don't know how to praise one another. We know how to praise God, but not one another. We don't have a problem with glory. Oh God, we seek your glory. But we don't like it when it's on someone. True? We have a problem when God's glory is on someone because we don't want to praise him. Because look at him, he thinks he's this. I don't like the, what he says. I don't like the way he says it. But when, the, when God's glory is on someone, things begin to change. But the church don't know how to move into praise and glory and honor when, on a person because it's like the church, well, we're all just Christians. So we have a problem of showing praise, glory, and honor to people and to one another. And this gets us in a lot of trouble. See, Romans 3, 13, 7 says this. Give everyone what you owe them. Watch. Give everyone 
what you owe him or them. If you owe taxes, pay tax. If revenue, so if you borrowed money from me, I want it back. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. And if honour, then honour. Give them what they do. Give them what is owed. Give them what is due. It didn't talk about whether you think it, like it, want it, need it. It's what is due. True? This is talking about everyone. So it's included the world, not just the church. Do you read the word everyone in your Bible? Do you read it? Tell me if your version is different. Give everyone. Is that what your Bible says? Okay. What you owe him. We say, I don't owe him anything. You do. Respect and honor. You may not owe tax because you pay your tax. You may not owe somebody any money because you didn't borrow any money. So let's just say you pay, you, you know, you're a tither, you're a taxpayer, you've paid all your debts. That's okay. Now let's get to respect and honor. That's important, eh? But people say, well, I, I don't think you should. We should have any honor in church. I don't believe it. I, I, how dare we should honor one more man than anyone else? He didn't say one more man than anyone else. He said everyone. <laughs> you see... Judas will always hang himself. Judas will always find a way to hang himself. If he's looking for a way not to honor, he'll find it. And he'll hang himself. Then Mark 6, 4 says this. Jesus said to them. So who's speaking? Jesus. He's speaking to them. Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. So now we're not just talking about everyone, we're talking about someone. Hello? We're moving it now from everyone to someone. That someone is someone with a prophetic gift or a prophet. Amen? Listen to what he says. He couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Let's break that down for a minute. When there's no honor and no respect, there's no honor and respect in his hometown. Do you realize how hard it is for me as a pastor to carry this message we carry? Because there's so many cynics and people say, well, how long have you been here? 25 years? Ah, he's done nothing in 25 years. He's not worth listening to now then, is he? The dream sense, oh yeah, yeah, we've heard of them before. Yeah, didn't they have Colin Carson? And now they just familiarize themselves with us and just dismiss us. That's okay. It's not okay, but it's okay. Because I can't change it. The point is, is familiarity in your own town is a massive, massive problem. No one can rise. Oh, yeah, but if they go on, if they go on, uh, what do you call it? No, no, yeah, the TV, the singing competition. X Factor, sorry. X Factor. It doesn't matter what the background or the character of the person is. If they win, oh, it comes from our place. It comes from our place. And then soon of a sudden, I'll just say, all of a sudden he starts drinking and get, oh, he's a scuffer. I'll tell you, come from Clayton. <laughs> Remember that lad who, who won it from Clayton? Shame one. But it was a bowler, cricketer. <laughs> oh, it's great when he wins. And then all of a sudden he gets a bit of popularity. Oh, look at him. Look at him driving his car. He forgets he's come from Clayton. He can't win. One minute he's a scuffer, next minute he's a hero, and then he's a scuffer again. He can't win. So why? Because we're always looking to judge. 
We're always looking to belittle. We're always looking to familiarize ourselves. It's all right. It's all right. We don't mind coming from Clayton or Openshaw, but nobody can leave it. Nobody can leave better. We've all got to stay the same, says who. So you fight the lack of honor and respect in your hometown. Because people, oh yeah, I've seen her every week. Is that how it was? She don't look much, does she? Instantly we're reducing. Church, hear what I'm saying? I'm going somewhere. God needs a hometown. God needs a hometown. He needs a hometown. He believes in the power of a hometown. That's why it was, the Bible says in Acts 17, that it was God chose where we should live and the times and the places. If God chose it, God believes because he saw it in the future that some, there's my seed in the field. There's my treasure in the field there. There's my, it doesn't matter about the environment. My treasure's in the field. Yeah? My treasure's in the field. What good can come from Openshaw? Me. You. Us. Don't belittle where you come from. God put you there. God put you there. Why? Because his hometown is going to have significance. Amen? Then he says, there is no honor amongst his relatives. Your family. Oh, my Lord. Your family is one of the worst. Oh, look at our Tony up there talking to those people. Who does he think he is? And yet when my granddad dies, who did they come and look for? Me. Oh, I didn't know our Tony could speak. You didn't know your Tony could do a lot of things. And all of a sudden they come looking for you. And then your family, the family don't want you to rise above them. They put you in prisons like Joseph's brothers did. But when you make money, they want a slice of the pie. True? Oh, look at him now. He's disowning his family. Tell your family, I, you know, I tell the people, oh, I can't come to this. Why? I'm going to be in Malaysia. What are you doing in Malaysia? What's our Tony doing in Malaysia? What's our Tony doing in Australia? How does he get that money? What's he doing? What the heck's he got to do with you? Shut your face. I'm on an assignment. Not on holiday. They think it's holiday. They think Tony's having a uh, you know, uh, holiday in Australia, in, in, in uh, Malaysia. It's like, I don't tell them. Because you don't tell them, they get more and more frustrated. But in your relatives, now I've got a good family. I've not got a problem. But it was on my dad's side where all these strange ones came from. I'm from Shirley side and onwards. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. And then, listen, then there is no honor within his own house. So we've gone from hometown, relatives, now to his own house. Respect and honor. God is drilling right down. You see, if you don't get respect in your home or you don't respect others, you're not going to give it in this family. See, when you go to the doctors, you say you call a doctor a doctor. When you see an officer, you say officer. You don't call a policeman a copper. You shouldn't do it at least. Give him his title, officer or sir. Respect him. If it's a GP, say doctor. If it's a nurse, you call a nurse. You don't say, hey, you, with a blue and white uniform on. You give him a name. But in the church, we say, oh, I can't call him pastor. Why? Well, I don't, I, you know, I just can't see him as a pastor. It doesn't matter what you see. 
Who said it's got anything to do with what you see? The ability is within you to respect and to give honor. That's all you need to be concentrate on. Give respect to what needs respect and honor to what needs. Well, then they say, well, if you perform like a seal, I'll give you some honor. It's not about, it's all about you've got the ability within you to respect. Just do it. I didn't like my headmaster. I often told him. But the issue is, he's still worthy of respect. Amen. And then he says this, their lack of honor produced lack of miracles. Jesus could only do a few. Just imagine how much he could have done had he found honor and respect in his own town. Wow. Is that, is that, or I should say, would we say, church, is it possible then if, if Jesus could be uh, could be devoid of, of honor and respect, and a prophet comes in our midst, or a minister comes in our midst. Is it, possi- is it possible that the reason why you and I sometimes don't receive miracles, or they can't move in this atmosphere with miracles, is because of our lack of respect, or our lack of honor? We always say it's faith. We always blame it on faith. They didn't have faith. Is it possible, church, that if we're going to move into this new area from now till Christmas, seeing the power of God, is it possible that we just might need a new level of respect and honor for one another, for God and for the ministry? Is it possible? Could we conceive that? Can you conceive that in your heart? Well, that's something you should pray about this week. Seriously, Lord, reveal to me whether I have respect for the things of God, the men of God, the women of God, and my brothers and sisters in this house. Lord, show me. Show me my heart whether I've got disrespect, not enough respect. It's not just disrespect. You may not have enough. Okay? Because I don't believe any of you show outwardly, show disrespect to anybody. I don't hear you say that. But it may not be you're not giving it when you should be recognizing one another, honoring one another, acknowledging one another. Do you really acknowledge one another? Do you, do you compliment one another? Do you, when someone does something, even if they don't do something, they just go, so great to see you. I really miss you. Don't become familiar with what's in the house. Because if we become familiar, we miss the treasure and we miss the field. Can you see that, church? So it says in Matthew 10, verse 41... Anyone, so we've gone from everyone to anyone. Anyone who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Hold on, hold on. We read that and then we miss the rest. And anyone who receives a righteous man. Are there any righteous people in this church? Well, when you receive an honor and respect a righteous person, you get a righteous man's reward. So do you want the prophet's reward? Do you want the righteous man's reward? See, every time I go into Australia, Peter always says, I'm the prophet. Now, I don't believe I'm a prophet. I believe I'm prophetic. That, we'll leave that there, because I don't want to describe the differences right now. Read my new book coming out. I'm going to describe that in a chapter, the difference between the prophecy, prophesying, and the prophetic. Right? 
That's what we need to understand in the church so we can honour and respect it. In a well-ordered house, we have to have those three things. Anyway, I'm, I'm, dis- I'm digressing here. The issue is, is that we... What did I say before that? I've gone off my track now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not a prophet, but every time I walk into that environment, they receive me as that level and they get that reward. I didn't call it me. I didn't put a poster. I didn't advertise me. They advertised what they're doing and they call me what they call me. It doesn't mean to say I have to try and jump through their hoops. I just, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I release what I carry, but they look to me with honour and respect, just like I respect Peter. Now, in our conference, there's just not Peter and Karen. There's three of us. I'm there with them. Okay? So, are my labours just as worth much as his? So, what he gives you, you get, you get your portion from how you perceive him. You get your portion from me how you perceive me. You see, to you, it's, it's, it's slightly different because you think, well, we see you every Sunday. No, 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 no. If you see me in that light, you've gone. You will not get the reward that's coming. Because what I'm carrying for this season is for us and beyond us. And if you just see, oh, it's just Tony. It's the mouth on roller skates. Then guess what? You get a skateboard. True? So anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who sees a righteous man because he's a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. So you get two rewards in the church. Because in this church, the dream is that you've got a prophetic ministry and you've also got righteous men and women. Now, if we receive those two portions, we're going to be better off, aren't we? Can you see that, church? This is good. So we must honour and show what we carry and what they carry. We must recognise what people carry. Just because, listen, not everyone can have the microphone. But that doesn't mean to say that the one who gets the microphone is the only one who gets honour. No. Everyone. Give to each man what is required. But people seem to think if you want a one person, you're making them out to be bigger than everybody else. That's their bad understanding and misunderstanding of what honour is. True? So. Let me give you this principle. Are you ready for this? Because this might really... Knock the snot out of some of you. This is really going to help you. God always operates by the principle of representation. Moses, go and tell Pharaoh the principle of representation. I, Paul, was called to be a minister to the Gentiles. The principle of of representation. Now, if you don't understand this, you're going to go south. Jesus says, I have called you to go out and become light amongst darkness. Amen? You are his representation. Without representation, Jesus Christ cannot make himself known to a world. Oh, he can turn up anywhere he wants, but he's chosen it so that you will become his person of representation. In fact, the Philipp- book of Philippians calls us his ambassadors. So the principle of representation is a very, 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 very powerful principle indeed. 
Amen? See, the, the apostles waited on tables in Acts. Was it? I forget the scripture now. Where it was? Acts 6 or somewhere around there. 4 to 6. They waited on tables. Yeah? But how many of you know that if Peter and Paul would have stayed there, many would have thought there'd be no power. So if they hadn't stayed there, they would have said, well, where's the power gone? They didn't understand that the power of representation is the same power that's in him is in you. The same God that's in you is in me. True? The same spirit, the same Lord, the same God is in all three. All three of them, sorry, is inside us. Do you understand this, church? Okay. How many of you understand that when you walk into church, people think that the only person who can help them that morning is the pastor? You have missed the principle of representation right there. How many missed the ushers this morning? Come on. Be honest with yourself. This is a little litmus test to see whether you've got honor and respect in your heart. How many missed Elijah on the car park? How many respected him and thanked him for minding the cars or for showing them a place? Whoever, whoever does the car park, how many people missed him this morning? Come on, be honest. You parked your car, but you didn't acknowledge him. Ooh. How many people didn't recognize John this morning? On the sound. But we all appreciated sound. True? Now, representation is God is in every one of us and he's everywhere. How many people go up to the children's workers and say, thanks for taking my little brat this morning? <laughs> they were a little brat when you brought them. They were an angel in there. Because, because what's in them isn't on you. Oh, you missed that one, didn't you? What's in there is not in your home. Ooh. <laughs> Got you there, didn't we? Now, if it's in your home, wonderful. That isn't the cure where you take your naughty kids and have them sorted out. So by the time they come back, they're wonderful. Hi, mommy, I love you. Mommy, Jesus is on you. No, 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 no. You do that in your home. But how many people, Mister? how many people ignored the ushers completely? Come on. We should be respecting and honoring one another. But become familiar. And familiarity will, will, will kill the power of God in this house. Because you're familiar with one another. Oh, pastor's getting up again and he's trying to push us in the spirit familiar. Power of God can't go beyond you. Oh, we sang that song two weeks on the run. Familiarity. We sang that verse 14 times this morning. Do you know why we sang it 14 times? Was that anointed? No, I like it. End of. There's nothing spiritual in it. I just liked it. Did I wait on God for those songs? No. Those days are over. Why? Because God isn't in the songs. God's in me. God's in you. When we sing those songs, it's up to us to minister. Now, those songs, I'll tell you, right and plain, no single, those songs have one criteria, whether I like them. Because if I don't like them, I ain't singing them. All the musicians will tell you, there's nothing godly in those songs. The gods in me and in you or whoever it is who's leading those songs. Whoa, do you wait on God for, for worship? No, I wait on God for what he wants to do in the meeting. 
God isn't sat there in the Trinity thinking, you know, I hope they sing a hill song this morning. Oh, I really would. No. Now God may impress a certain song in my heart, but I don't wait for God for a song list. You can have a song in the night if you want. After every smile, after every trial. So we've got to understand that honor is something that we've got to build into the how the life of the church rather than just channel it into one person. Amen. So these these apostles on this table realized that each one carried the same dynamic. Now the apostles all realized that if we don't move on to the next level, these guys can't come up because we can see the treasures in their field. But by giving them a new task and responsibility, the treasure will be seen. People saw the treasure in the apostles. Just like people need to see what's in you. And then from the treasure, you wanted the treasure. Amen? You see, I remember going to the Philippines. Was it two years ago now? And I was so mindful of the fact that Jonathan David had said to me, many years ago, some of his sons messed up in, in the Philippines. One of them actually, one of them, well, I won't tell you. One of them just went off the of reservation altogether. And it caused... Jonathan David, a lot of time and a lot of years to restore what two men had messed up. So when I go into the Philippines, I'm so mindful of the fact that I'm representing him. And I carried honor in my heart and I had to go to the Assemblies of God head office because one of our guys was having problems with the Assemblies of God because of the message that he was carrying. And these guys were dinosaurs, right? But I had to carry honor and respect Right? For them. And I carried on on respect for Jonathan David. And it was as if, not as if, it happened. God had got there before me. And every place I went, I got favor after favor after favor. Why? Because I respected the man who put into me. I'd respected it and honored him. I never once used his name when he was in the Philippines. But in my heart, I had complete honor for him. And I kept saying, Lord, I do not want to mess up what he's, he's laboring for. I want to work and show myself a worthy co-laborer. And that was the prayer of my heart. And one day I goes into this village called Baguio. And if uh, Grace was here this morning, she'd tell you a great uh, Filipino lady who comes here with Reg. And she comes, uh, sorry, I goes into Baguio. And they thought I was coming to bring them relief aid. Because what happened was this whole mountain had collapsed. And houses, so I arrived like six weeks later that this had happened. So I turns up in, and I'm traveling, and I've got these pair of pants on that look like I've been in the field. Because I'm traveling on a bus for about five hours. So, you know, you don't go with a suit on, on a bus. So it turns up, I know, I'm thinking, I'm speaking them to, to, to this group tomorrow. But when it gets off the bus, you say, no, we've got to go right to the meeting. What meeting? You're going to speak to them now. And I'm dressed like a tramp. And it gets in this meeting. And I'm thinking, oh my Lord. And I can see the superintendent is watching me. And I'm thinking, I can read his thoughts. He's thinking, what a scuffer. He turns up to a meeting in a pair of uh, training shoes, a pair of pants. He looks like he's been in the field. And I'm thinking, he thinks I'm looking like a scuffer and I've been in the field. And then I can read his thoughts. So I'm thinking, oh my Lord. And I'm ready to kill the guy who set this up. And I gets up to speak. And I'm telling you, this is no word of a lie. Within one minute of it opening my mouth, I had them eating out of my hands. They completely forgot what I looked like, thank God. 
what I thought, that, and you can imagine thinking, well, we thought it was coming to speak on an aid, but what he's told me is better than that aid of stuff anyway. That, that one meeting has opened the door for us to go back because of honor. All because of honor. Now, what doors can open up for you if you respect and show honor to other people? This is a principle that I've lived with my life. Even my previous pastor, I showed him honor. He took me halfway around the world. Why? That door opened for me to be where I am today. All because I showed him honor. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speak to one another with psalms and spiritual songs. Make melody in your heart. Always give thanks to the God for Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. So out of that respect comes submission. Comes recognition. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now how many of you know marriage is a great place and a great platform to mirror honour and respect? The next person to get married in our house will be Danny and Nicola. And I keep preparing them and I keep saying, Danny, I keep telling you everything I've got, giving you everything I've got, because on that day when you actually, I turn to you and I say, are you ready? And I say, say after me, I, Danny Clark, do take. You need to know that you are fully prepared to say the rest of the covenant and the vow. You need to know that everything, you, when you say I do, you fully mean it. True? It can't be I do with a question mark. Yes? So we prepared along that line. So marriage is a great way to show honor. It says about marriage that a man must honor his wife. True? And a, and a wife must honor and submit to her husband. And God used to, uses the language of his church. And he puts the illustration there. But how many of you know that when Carol married me, there was treasure in the field. Come on. Think of a marriage like this. There's treasure in the field. And at some point in the marriage, the treasure goes missing. <laughs> and all she's left with, or he's left with, is the field. True? Carol didn't know how much treasure was in my field when she first married me. She just saw something shining that was in there to attract her to me. And me to her. Okay? She didn't know all the junk that was in that field. She just focused on the treasure. But the field, in the early stages of my marriage, became the obstacle. True? When you throw your socks and your underpants, or is that too deep for some of you lot? When you throw them all over the place, she's seeing the stuff that's in my field. True? She's seen my bad habits. When I come home and kick my shoes off and my feet smell, she's getting the field. She's thinking, where the heck's the treasure? True? Marriage is all about the field and the treasure running side by side. But because she respects and honors me and loves me, she goes digging for the treasure What's in the field? Now, there's nothing like a wife to help separate the soil from the treasure. 
Because if you're smart, you'll write that down. Your treasure needs separating from the soil. The soil is a picture of the world. The field is a picture of the world. And there's a lot of the world inside me. And my wife has to help me separate my soil from my treasure. Now, I am responsible for you as a church to help separate you, the world that's in you, from the God that's in you. The treasure from the world. There's a lot of world sat in here this morning. But there's also a lot of treasure. Now, when you see me this morning, you see the treasure. But my kids get to see the field. Come on, be honest. You get to see the treasure. Oh, it looks good. Well, I think it's a stallion treasure. And you get to see, see whether he sings or he drops a note. He gets to, he gets to preach or whatever it is. You just enjoy the treasure and take the, the treasure for granted that it'll always be there. But I have to work on my field every day so that my treasure can be seen. But when I go home and I get familiar, I don't think that about Carol and the family. I'll work on my treasure before I get through the door. No, I don't. I just check my field and the treasure just come right through the door and she thinks, okay, Farmer Tony's back home. And then when she sees my faults, you know what that is? She's plowing my field, separating my soul and my emotions from the treasure. A good husband will help his wife do that. And a good wife will help her husband do that. Now, if you haven't got a husband or a wife, a good friend will do that. But be sure, children of God, not children, children of God, you need someone in your life to help separate the field from the treasure. And there's nothing like a relationship to do it. True? Carol knows the field that's in me, believe me. And I know. She knows how much dirt's in my field. Now, you see, in the body of Christ, we don't want people to know the dirt in our field. But we still need to respect and honor and support one another so that the dirt, it finds its way out of our lives so God can clean, we can have a clean runway. Amen? So when you get friends, you have to receive their entire baggage, don't you? When you get a wife, you have to receive the baggage, Dan. I'm just letting you know now ahead of time that there will be baggage ahead. And you can help each other unpack it. And what's not good, throw it out. Why? Because the treasure's inside the field. You can't disregard the person because there's treasure in there. And very often we don't like the dirt, we don't like the field, so we disregard the treasure. We reject the field. So many of us reject the field without going for the treasure. You can't have the treasure without the field. True? Coming back to our parable, the smart man saw the treasure in the field. So he bought the field. He didn't, he didn't take the treasure out of the field. He bought the field. It's the work's to be done in the field. Amen? Oh, this is good. I might even buy the CD. 
My kids know my field. Prayer soft brings the rain down on your field. Prayer waters your field so that things can be separated, so that life can come into it. You need the dew of heaven. Go through the scriptures and see how many times God sent the dew of heaven as part of the blessing upon a field. Every field needs the dew of heaven on it. Amen? When you see a church, there's stones, there's lumps, there's bricks, there's obstacles. They're all in that field. But all we want is the treasure. But a smart pastor knows that you can't have the treasure until you work the field. But charismania just wants the treasure. Just wants the treasure. But no, embrace the field. I have to embrace you first. And all that you are before I can begin to start receiving what's in you. That's why racism is so wrong. Because it judges the field by the colour. It's wrong. It's wrong on every level. If we see, we know cultures have strengths and weaknesses. But not everyone's the same. That's why having a church that's multicultural, we're saying that our field is a multicultural field. The treasure will be multicultural. Amen? I labor for that. That's worth fighting for. There's things I knew about cattle up front. I knew she wasn't perfect. But I still bought the field. I still bought the field. Yeah? There's things I knew I didn't like about this church when I walked in. But I still embraced the field. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 10 says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in clay, in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we ain't in despair. We're persecuted. We ain't not we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. There's the treasure. There's the treasure. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That's the treasure in the field. We've got to carry the treasure around. It's the kingdom. You must be revealing someone or something. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Where is it lived? It's lived on the inside. It's lived here in the now. With all our trials, with all the dust kicked in your face, it's still worth buying the field. Every time you stand, stand strong in your position, trusting God, the field is on display. Every time someone says something about you, the field is on display. Every time. If you're a miner, you know that you have to move dirt. Do you not? When you go into that mine, looking for diamonds, you go for the treasure. You move a ton of dirt to get the treasure. You embrace the mine. You embrace the dirt. You embrace the labor. Why? Because the treasure is worth it. One diamond can set you up for life. 
Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Your honor, here's another one for you, just as we're closing now. Your honor is determined by your perception of others. So we know that honor is, God uh, God's rep- works by representation. But it also works in you by your perception. Your perception of others. She doesn't deserve it, don't like them. Too tall, too small, too fat, too thin. Wrong color, wrong shape. Your perception. When they do something that I think is worthy of honor, I'll give it them. So now you're the judge. Oh, Lord. When Jesus was raised in his hometown, he was just a carpenter. The trouble is they always saw him as a carpenter. They said, that, that's just Joseph's son. Can't be the son of God. It's Joseph, for goodness sake. We've seen Joseph play football. He's useless. We've seen him around wood. Not that good. How can he be the son of God? Instantly. Mm. Limited him. Contained him. He rejected his field right there. All Israel rejected the field. So what he said is, because you've rejected me, I'll go to the Gentiles, because I know they won't reject me, and they'll look for the treasure. Now, I should say, later on in life, Jesus will turn to the, church, uh, to the Jews again. This time, they'll come looking, and they'll understand that the treasure's in the field. The field that they rejected, they'll now buy the field. But we've already bought the field, and we're getting the treasure. We've had the treasure for many, many, many years. They've still got the old field with the old regulations. The regulations that your Bible says are now obsolete. So when you see a Jew wailing at the wall and he's crying with sincerity, he's ignorant, he's blind, he can't see what you and I see. His tradition is obsolete. God has done that. It's gone. It's no use. Why? Because they wouldn't accept the treasure. Jesus is the treasure that you carry around. In fact, Paul says, I carry around the death of Jesus Christ in my body. There are some things you must instantly recognize in order for you to catch something. If you don't recognize certain people, you'll never catch what they carry and who they are. Many have tried to understand Many have tried to understand and experience things and get things without receiving the treasure of the person. You must recognize and appreciate and guard the treasure in this field. This church has got treasure in it. But this church has got lumps, it's got stones, it's got obstacles. That's why the Bible says remove the obstacles on the way to Zion. Can you understand this? Can you understand this church? Is this, is this clear for you this morning? The treasure in the field, you're the treasure, you're the field. The treasure in you is Christ. He's put you in a field beyond you. It's called the world. He's put you in a family. He's put you in a community. He's put you in a nation. Amen? And he's done this because he loves you. Amen? You know, years ago, when I was... 
growing in the church here, there was many, many guys my age who, and many of you will know them, some of you won't. All they ever did was fight the leadership. And I became one of them. I took their spirit. And one day I'm in a meeting in Peterborough. And some of you were there. And the guy was preaching on the power of the tongue. Well, I'd had about six months of this rudder flapping. And I knew that I was, as he was speaking, I was getting more and more convicted. To the point when he finished preaching and the altar call, I got underneath the chair. I hid under the chair. I lay down on the, on, on the floor and I put my head under the chair because I honestly thought God was going to kill me. Because the, 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 the message was so strong that it's as if that message was preached just for me. It's like, Tony, I'm giving you a chance today. Stop it, stop it, and stop it, to now, uh, stop it today. And I got up off my seat, and Colin, at the time, the pastor, he didn't know anything about it. He was sat on the stage here. I walked up to him, and I confessed to him how much I'd been a rotten apple in the field, or a bad seed in the field. And as a good pastor, he embraced me and, and rejoiced with me. And, and after that, that opened up the door for a whole new thing. But for those who were there with me and who wouldn't turn their lives around none of them are here today one of them actually died all of the rest of them have all been backslid oh there was a, there, there was a separating and there was a there was a purging that day in the house of god why where does judgment start with it started with me this man put his heart right why because i disrespected the principles of honor the treasure in the field, and respect. Once I put it right for me, everything opened up. Everything opened up. I put it with God first. I didn't tell him half the stuff. Didn't need to know half the stuff. Just told him, I'll come and put my heart right with you. Right? I don't, you don't need to tell him all the stuff. I put it right there. Just said, you know, all I went up to him and said, you know, from this day forth, I will serve you, I will follow you, I'll do what you tell me to do, blah, 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 blah. And you know what? Heaven witnessed it that day. And the treasure in the field took on a whole new dynamic. Because I respected and appreciated. Now, I know in this church, come Monday, you'll forget this message. Shame on you. It's not something to be, to be this isn't a Sunday message. That's got to stop. These are not Sunday messages. This is the word of God to our lives. This is the bread on the table. Amen? Sunday's not, we, have, we don't have a sermon, we don't have a message, we have bread, we're fed. So we can rise and go. We've got to change that Pentecostal mentality of fed. This is, you know, this is bread. Amen? The Bible says, I have bread you, have known, you know nothing about. God takes the bread away from us, we're finished. First, first responsibility we have is to put bread on the table for any family. Bread, stable diet. So when I put it right in my heart, the bread came on the table in my life and every from there, a mentor, a spiritual father, the nations all opened up. Now I'm saying, look at one another now. Just take a good look. I know some people are not here this morning. Many people are not here this morning for various things. But have a look round. Seriously, seriously, seriously. Now if you stand to your feet, you stand to your feet, you have a look round. Come on, keep having a look around. I'm doing this for a specific purpose. 
I know you've seen each other, and I know you all know. Many of you could even recognize, uh, call the names. Now, if you're honest with yourself, how many of you, if you're honest, listen to I'm going to stand up here so you can all see me. How many of you, if you're honest, know the names of everyone in this church? Do you know why you don't know the names? Because you've not bothered to find out. But you all expect me to know. So when I send you a letter or whatever it is, if I say to you, well, I sent a letter, where did you send it to? Oh, I just sent it up the road. You'd look at me crazy. But you, how can you be in a church with a brother and sister and don't know the names? Do you know the names of all your children? Why? Because they're yours. Right. Do you know the names of all your offspring, uh, sorry, your, your relatives? Because they're yours. You don't see them as much, do you? But you see this family more than you see some of your own family. True? But you, you know your family, but you don't know this family. One of the first steps and actions that I would like us to take in moving towards respect and honor is to go and find the names of everyone in this church. Now, you might not be able to repeat some of those names, right? But that's okay. You will need to know a first name or his first name. Why don't we make it an, a point and an exercise that we not get to know every name? Scott says to me, what's that person in church called? I said, which one do you want me to do? He thinks like I've got a, a hall of fame on, our, on my wall. <laughs> you know, you know the, the, the this size or the that size or the that size. I say, why don't you know? Well, you know, Dad. <laughs> I, I go mad at him. I go mad at him. Because I can pretty much tell you every name in this church. And I can even tell you the names, pretty much, not all of them, of our creche. And I can tell you all the names of the youth. Why? Because you're important to me. Not because it's my job. It's not my job. I could have a secretary to do that. I could make you sign in when you come in. Why? Because you're important. You are important. I don't say, oh, Lord, you know that woman? I'm praying for that woman. Oh, yeah, you know her, Lord, you know her. Wouldn't it be better if I could say, Lord, I'm praying for Chris and Kath today. Lord, no, I don't have to say, Chris and Kath, you know, Lord, they're the ones who live in Mosley. On number six, God doesn't need information. He's got information. But your name, the name that you give to God, shows God that you've at least paid attention. You've paid respect. And I can raise these couples' names before God because I know them and they're dear to me. I can't just, oh, Lord, I'll just pay for the church, Lord. I'll pay for them all, Lord. It's not right. Now, I know you've got a church of 2,000 or 3,000, but we're not there. We're not at that place. We should know. Make a point of finding out people's names. At least can we do that? It's a basic, basic thing. Honor one another. Yeah, hello, uh, Fingy. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her name? What's her name? Fing ah, yeah. At least when you're talking to somebody, address them by the name. Don't say Mrs. or Mr. Call them by the name. Show them that you at least are interested in them. Is that fair? So can we protect the treasure in the field? Come on, church, can we? Will we do it? Because I believe this will open up the door for the next move, what God is trying to break. When honor and respect is in the house, it will result in praise and glory and honor. It will result, it will produce. So right now, raise your hands if you will with me as we close.
I think this message has been very clear. And God has been gracious to us. So we can understand something. The treasure inside you must... Re, must I'm trying to think of the word. Must reveal... Someone and something. That someone and something, as we've already heard, Paul said that this treasure is Christ. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We carry in our body, we carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Christ may also be revealed in our body. Father, I pray right now, by the Spirit of God, that Lord, that you will birth. Honour, respect, praise and glory in these people. Father, this will become our watchword. Every person who enters will be noticed. Every person who enters will be spoken to and addressed civilly. Every person who enters, Father, will be shown honour. And Father, our honour then will, will then, Father, turn back to you as praise and glory. Father, I pray this day, Lord, that you'll seal this word in our hearts. Cause us to think. Cause us to act on those two things we've said, oh God, this week. Reveal to us the lack of honor and respect that we have in our hearts. Lord, and I pray that the body of Christ will respond by proactively finding out everyone's name. Oh God, let there be a fresh action upon this house. And the people of God said... Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation.